this past week, I received a DM on Instagram asking basically about how do you be a Christian? Like, do you have to go in serve in the church every single day? Do you have to quit your job? Do you like, what do you have to do? And, you know, this got me thinking because I think, especially in the society we live in today, someone can say they are a Christian, but not live that out. And so we see that as a huge problem because maybe you're listening right now and, you know, you aren't a believer. Maybe you are. Maybe you're kind of like on the edge. But it's a problem because we have people who say they're Christians, but who don't live like Christ. And so in 2021, I had first started getting interested, more interested about what living a life with God looks like. So I was raised in an Episcopal church. Um, I was very aware of what the Bible was, very aware of the practices that it consisted of. I knew who Jesus was, but then I kind of drifted off in my middle school years, like one does in this world today. I was just bombarded by so many different ideas and I kind of just followed the crowd. You know, what did my friends think? They kind of doubted if there was even a God. And so I knew in my head, I knew in my heart that there was a God, but I just followed the crowd and I went along with what they said. And so though I was, you could say, saved at, at an early age, I, you know, confessed Jesus as Lord at a very early age and I had the Holy Spirit in me. I drifted very much away from the path to the point where I was almost starting to doubt if God were real. And so 2021, I really started getting into the Bible. I started reading the Bible daily, and this kind of lit a fire under me to see what all this, you know, stuff about living about living for Christ was all about. So that's kind of a little my background. Now it's 2024. I am speaking about Jesus, which is for me, I never I never thought I would do. I remember 2021, the end of the year was the first time I like kind of mentioned God and my journey to God on my social media platform. And that was so scary for me. I was scared of what other people may think. I was just so scared. Anyway, so today I really want to talk about what living a life with God looks like and why it is the most fulfilling way to live. Now, the past past few days, I have been reading this book called Practicing the Way, and this is by John Mark Comer. So it's basically about how to be with Jesus, become like him, and do as he did. And now, whether you are a believer, whether you're, you know, and not sure of where you're at, not sure if you believe in Jesus, wherever you are at in your journey, maybe you've been walking for the Lord with for the, with the Lord for years, but you're kind of at this like wall, this blockage. You're like, I just I don't know why this just doesn't feel fulfilling. Like why doesn't life feel fulfilling? Wherever you are, I would really encourage you to read that book, but I'm going to talk about this book today because I read this book and I'm like, this would be a great book for anyone to read. And then today I went to my church service and it was actually about 
very, very similar to what the book was talking about, which is how to abide in Christ, how to live the with God life, as Dallas Willard says. So anyway, we're going to get into that now. So the first, first off, I wanted to talk about what does salvation mean? Like, what is the premise of being? Like, what, what do we have to do to be saved? So there are a few key scriptures that I wanted to go to. Number one is Romans 3.23. And this says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And now sin basically means you've missed the mark. So missed the mark of holiness. Okay, so we know that we've sinned. Even if you know you're a great person, you're kind, you don't steal. But Romans 6.23, this is very encouraging. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is great news. Yes, we've all sinned. We all fall short, but we have this free gift if we want to accept it. Now, Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. So in order to have this free gift of eternal life, God sent his only son to die for our sins, to take that, and so we could be covered by the blood of Christ. And so what do we need to do in order to be saved? Well, Romans 10, 9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So there's a key thing I wanted to mention here, believing in your heart. So you could, you know, in church when they say, if you want to be saved today, put up your hand. You could put up your hand, but not actually truly want to follow Christ in your heart. And so I just wanted to make note of that. And now salvation, the whole complex, the whole um, concept of that is not complex. You know, you admit you are a sinner, we fall short, and then you go to Christ and he saves us. There is a gospel that it's being preached in the West, as this book, Practicing the Way, describes. It's saying that you can receive this gift of Jesus, but you don't have to follow him at all. And that's such an unfulfilling way to live. When I talk about the, let's see, how many years of my life, maybe like 15 years of my life, I wasn't following Christ. And I believed, but I wasn't following him. I had so much anxiety, depression, and not to say that all those things go away, but my life was so miserable and I just had no purpose in any of it because I did not have Christ at the center of it. And so there is more than just saying Jesus is Lord and going on with your life. What does it mean to be a Christian? Well, in our society today, some people would say, oh, it means believing Jesus is God. You know, he rose from the dead. He covers um, our sins and we're forgiven for our sins so we can go to heaven. Well, yes, but there's also a big part of that that is missing. So, and that is being a disciple. So everyone is following something in our lives, whether, you know, you're a disciple of the celebrities that you idolize or a disciple of the social media that, you know, you scroll through constantly or the movies that you watch. We're all following something in our lives. And I think what many people don't realize or many Christians don't realize is that Jesus is not just divine, not just kind, not just holy, but he is 
intelligent. He is a spiritual leader. He is a rabbi. If we see in the New Testament, people are constantly calling him rabbi, rabbi. That means a spiritual master. So how do we follow Christ? So in our society today, we often see that God is placed in these little compartments like, oh, I'm going to go to church. He's in this compartment. And then I'm going to go out with my friends and make really horrible life impacting decisions and forget about God. But then I'll go back to church next week or I'll read my Bible in a month. And we're kind of compartmentalizing him. We're saying, you know, oh, I, um, you know, read my Bible and, and prayed. And then in our work, where we're working at our job, we're yelling at our coworkers and being rude to customers, whatever it may be. I'm kind of exaggerating this, but we can kind of compartmentalize God and this is not a fulfilling way to live. So what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Um, so number one, we see in the Bible, a rabbi is someone that a disciple follows with everything they have. And there's three goals of an apprentice or a disciple. Um, and this is from the book that I just mentioned. But the three goals are to be with the rabbi, to become like your rabbi, and to do as the rabbi did. So they would follow their rabbis around for, you know, years and years to really master. And they would never become greater than their um, rabbi, but they would become like their rabbi. So we see a huge problem in this society is that you can be a Christian, but not an apprentice of Jesus. And I'm, you know, trying to say this so much because it is such an unfortunate thing that you can, you know, say that Jesus is Lord, be saved, right? And then go on with your life and not receive the blessings of having a personal relationship with God. And I say this purely off of my own experience, off of, you know, I was walking without the Lord for years and saw how horrible that was. And then versus, you know, walking with him. I'm still going through hard times, but I have the Lord. Life is going to be hard regardless, but it can be either hard without God or hard with God. Um, so anyway, how do we do this? How do we follow God? So goal number one, be with Jesus. So what does that mean? So John 15, it talks a lot about abiding in the Lord. So Jesus says, abide in me and I will abide in you. So what does this look like? Well, we see Jesus, he would always go to the wilderness to pray. He would always find his, this secret place to come back to the Lord, even in the busyness of his days when he was performing miracles and healing people. And so for us, we should, number one, have that time of abiding in Jesus, just sitting down and being with him. But we should also always be in two places at once. And so by this, I mean, when you're eating breakfast, you're also thinking about the Lord. And what I mean by this is instead of, you know, eating breakfast, scarfing down your food, scrolling on social media, doing all these different things at once. Instead of that, you're sitting down, you're praying, you're chewing your food slowly, you're just like, you know, getting really excited about the different flavors, whatever it may be. You're abiding in Christ, you're resting in him. And so obviously 
most of us cannot like become monks and quit our jobs. Um, But what we can do is have our bodies be the temple. Wherever we go, there is a place of overlap between heaven and earth because Jesus is in us. And so what we can do is, you know, we can go to work, we can um, walk our dog, we can talk to our friend, and we can still be with Jesus. And another thing is any moment of the day, I will sometimes find my brain, you know, when it's like a quiet moment of the day, I'll find my brain drifting off to things that um, maybe, you know, thinking about the future and having like some anxiety about that, whatever it may be. And I've been training my mind recently to always come back to God. So ask yourself, what do you set your mind on during the day? Or when you have those quiet moments, those moments between work, between school, when you have nothing to do, what is your mind going to? And I think the way that we condition our minds to constantly go to Jesus is by spending more time with him. Um, And so it's really a habit. It's learning to say no. Um, Being with Jesus is learning to cut out some things in your life in order to be with him. So for me, something that I made a kind of a goal in the new year was to not watch TV the way I used to. And by this, I mean, I would usually watch Full House or like a good old childhood show. Um, So like all funny stuff, you know, lighthearted, just like when I came home from work. But what I found was I would say, okay, I'm just going to watch this one show, 30 minutes, and I'd watch like three and it'd be like an hour and a half. And I do that pretty much every night. And so I realized how much time I could be using on reading the Bible and getting to bed earlier and singing before bed and really just relaxing. So I just decided as a personal choice, I'm just not going to watch TV at all unless I'm with other people. So if I'm with my friends and they want to watch a movie, sure, let's watch a movie. But when I'm alone, not doing it. And so this can be different for everyone. But when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, that is a way of saying you will have to sacrifice some things to follow me. When you think about getting in a relationship with, you know, whoever, boyfriend, girlfriend, and you are spending more time with that person, you are going to have to sacrifice some things. But because you love them, you want to sacrifice those things. You may even sacrifice a little bit of sleep to have some like really late night deep talks. <laughs> I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like you will probably sacrifice hanging out with certain people because you want to spend more time with your significant other, you know? So it should be the same with Jesus. We got to sacrifice some things. Maybe you got to sacrifice going to, you know, that one friend's house every day and gossiping, or maybe you have to sacrifice scrolling on your phone for hours, whatever it may be. Um, Take up your cross, follow him. Now, goal number two is to become like him. So becoming like him, um, in this book, it was talking about how day by day, we should remind ourselves that we are going to die. And not as like a negative, like, oh, we're all going to die. Not like in that way, but basically saying, don't let waste your life on trivial things. The problem with um, our world today is that 
there are so many things that are trying to get our attention before Jesus. We go on social media, we see all these different opinions. We turn on our television, all these different opinions. We're getting notification after notification of our friends. And it's just, we're bombarded at a time in this time, like never before. And so the problem is that we are being formed whether we like it or not, we're being formed by the things we put in our mind. And so when we want to follow Jesus, we have to recondition ourselves to follow him. And that can mean sacrificing some things in your life. Um, So the problem isn't that people don't want to change or that they aren't trying to, but a big problem is that they don't know how to. So when I look back in my life, I didn't even know where to start when having starting a relationship with God. I was just so confused. I finally settled on, okay, we're going to read in the New Testament because someone told me to, which definitely recommend starting in the Gospels if you've never read the Bible before or if it's been a while. Start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read that. Um, but yeah, so that's where I started. But at first it was very overwhelming. And so something that I wanted to mention is that Sometimes we want to skip over the pain. We want to skip over the hard stuff by just having Jesus fix us. We don't want to put in the work. We don't want to actually be transformed. But most likely there's not going to be just a zap from heaven that's just going to fix us. We do have to put in the work. We do have to put in the time of spending time with Jesus. Um, And so how do we become more like Jesus? So number one is by teaching, listening to teachings. So reading scripture daily, memorizing scripture, which this is something that I have been able to memorize more scripture simply um, through talking about it on here and talking about it on Instagram and with my friends. I don't make note cards. I don't do that. I maybe will one day. Maybe it's something that you could do, but just purely by talking about different verses, they have been ingrained in my mind. Um, So yeah, reading scripture, memorizing it, studying the Bible. By studying, I mean not passively reading it, but going over it, reading commentary, you know, maybe talking about it with some friends, um, listening to sermons. So on my way to work, on my way driving places, I'll listen to sermons. I'll listen to podcasts um, on different, you know, biblical principles or whatever it may be, something on, you know, Christ. Um, And then, you know, going to church, getting a part of that. And this is going to aid in the renewing of your mind. So helping you to become more like Jesus, because whatever you fill your mind with, you are going to become. When I was little, whenever I would watch certain shows, my mom would know purely by my attitude. So different shows you know, the kids would talk back to their parents. It would be funny. But then I would adopt that. If I watched, you know, two or three shows, I would adopt that habit and I would do it to my mom. I would have an attitude with her. And so we think about it now and maybe you're thinking like, oh, that's so silly. You know, you were a kid. I don't do that now. But but we do. We do. Even as adults, even, you know, wherever stage your life of life you are in, whatever you surround yourself with, whatever you put in your mind, you're becoming like that. And so another thing is, um, community. So you cannot follow Jesus alone. I think back to the times where I was so alone, felt so alone in it. And I had people around me who are who were believers, but I didn't open up to them. And so the power of opening up with things, just, just this past week, my friends and I have had so many amazing God things happen, um, just have been praying for each other. And we felt so close because of how we've been 
building our relationship with God. So because we are strengthening our relationship with God, we are feeling closer together and our friendship is just growing like it never has before. Um, Another thing is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit once you accept Jesus into your heart, you have received the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, meaning this is not your own doing. Becoming more like Jesus, yes, you're putting in the work, but the Holy Spirit is really what's going to transform your heart. You can put all the knowledge you want into your brain. You can read all the scripture, but if you don't allow a heart change, a heart transformation, if the Holy Spirit doesn't work in you, those are simply going to be thoughts and knowledge in your brain. They're simply going to be stored. It's not going to be making for a true transformation. And so another thing is, this is going to happen over time. Um, A quote that I thought was interesting was, a black belt is just a white belt that never quit. So anything good is going to take time. Like, Like I said, we shouldn't expect a zap from heaven. Just this past weekend, I or when I was reading this book yesterday, because I finished this book in a day, it was that good. But when I was reading this book, right before I got to this part talking about a zap from heaven, I was revealed by the Lord. I was um, He revealed to me some character traits that were conditioned from an early age in my mind, but that were holding me back in life. And it was causing a lot of bitterness in my heart. And so he revealed that to me. And when he revealed that to me, I'm like, oh, great. Like, I feel like I'm just waiting, you know, for him to like kind of be like, oh, you're a new person now, you know? And so I was thinking about that while I was reading this book. I turned the page and all of a sudden it says, don't expect a zap from heaven. And I was just like, wow. Like, yes, we see Jesus healing people and their physical issues, you know, healing um, the blind, healing whatever skin issues they had. But as far as character traits go, we don't see Jesus healing, you know, the issue of pride because in an instant, you know, not in an instant, because it's an ongoing process of sanctification, which is becoming more like Christ over time. So don't beat yourself up about it. If you, you know, you've been revealed that this is something you have to work on, but it's taking a while to, you know, change your mindset around it. Don't get discouraged. It's going to take time. And then lastly, we become more like Jesus through suffering. If you listen to my podcast on finding peace in the pain, that was kind of about my breakup that I went through a few months ago. But that suffering made me so close to God and I was so thankful for it. Yeah, it was still painful. It was still brutal. Otherwise, they wouldn't call it suffering. But it was, the fruit it bared was just incredible. And I look back to that time now and I'm like, ah, that was kind of, that was kind of nice being so dependent on God. You know, I, I need to stay there. Even if I'm not going through an immense season of suffering, I need to stay that dependent on God. Okay, now goal number three is do as he did. So what does this mean? So maybe you've heard that phrase, WWJD, what would Jesus do? This book describes it a little bit more when it says, what would Jesus do if he were in my position? Because sometimes we can think, well, what would Jesus do? Well, Jesus doesn't have the job that I have that requires me to work hours and hours on end. Okay. Well, for example, you know, me and my job, what would Jesus do if I had a nine to five 
and you know I have priorities later in the day, you know, cooking and cleaning, right? And I work out in the morning. What would Jesus do if that were me? What would Jesus do? So I thought about that and I'm like, okay, Jesus would first, when he wakes up, give his first fruits to the Lord, pray, be in his secret place. So what I do is I come to this couch right here. I read my Bible. I drink my drink, you know, my coffee, have some food and I read the Bible, pray, journal. And then throughout the day, I'm constantly reminding myself to set my thoughts on things above, to set my thoughts on the Lord. And so this past week, I've had a lot of anxiety about the future, and, I, and I've struggled with phobias for a long time in my life, and these certain phobias have made anxiety about the future even worse. And I keep reminding myself, set my mind on the Lord. Like you just, every time I have that anxious thought, just bringing it to God, laying it down on his feet, laying it down at his feet. And so this is just something I've been reminding myself of. Um, so going on with the day, you know, he would maybe Jesus after his nine to five would, um, you know, come home. And instead of eating dinner in a quick, fast paced way, because, you know, he has to watch TV. Instead, maybe he would slow down and pray and chew every bite and savor that moment. And then maybe he would read. Maybe he would watch a nice, wholesome show on TV with his family or his friends, you know? But what I'm saying here is like, you get the point. Like, what would Jesus do throughout the day if he were me? Um, it says in James that faith without works is dead. And this doesn't mean that we have a works-based religion. It doesn't mean that you have to earn your salvation by, you know, giving this certain amount to the poor and helping this person and reading your Bible for X amount of time each day. That's not what it's about. But an analogy I like to think about is if you say you have a friend or family member who you love so much you show that love by what you do. Maybe you make them food when they're sick. Maybe you spend quality time with them. Maybe you, you know, write them a nice card for their birthday. You maybe go over to their house and clean or, you know, clean up your space if you're, you know, in the same room with them and you see they're kind of overwhelmed by the messiness, right? Like you want to do these good things for them. And that's the same with Jesus, right? Because we love him, we want to do the Lord's will. We want to do these good things. And I think about that. If I had a friend who I told everyone, oh, I love that person. I love her. She's so great. But then I treated her so poorly. I gossiped behind her back. I was rude to her. Like, would I really love her? Because my words are saying, yeah, I love her. But my heart is saying, oh, no. And so that's what I feel like we do with Jesus. And people are so and I and it's, then it's easy to get confused when it says faith without works is dead because people are like, oh, it's a works-based salvation. Like, no, faith without works is dead because if I'm saying that I have faith in Jesus, I love him, but my works aren't showing that, do I really have faith in him? No. So I wanted to, to touch on that. Um, the last thing I wanted to leave you is just talking about um, – a rule of life. So this book talks a lot about having different plans for, you know, finances, plans for health, but not having a plan for spiritual growth. You know, we say, oh yeah, I'm going to like go to church, you know, on Sundays, but then 
the rest of the time we are giving our time to things that are worldly and fleeting and not going to give us that true everlasting peace. So how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. So what disciplines are you doing every day? What disciplines are you doing in the area of, you know, finances, the area of health, your mental health, and then your spiritual health? What disciplines are you doing in your spiritual health, if any? So when I went through the breakup, I made it, I started making it a habit of spending time with God every single day. And because I was just in the suffering state, it was so easy to just go to the Lord. And then after about a month, this habit became ingrained in my head. It was like brushing my teeth. Now every morning, what do I do? Get up, read my Bible, pray. Now maybe I won't, won't have all, you know, an hour each morning, but I have at least 10 minutes, 20 minutes. I have time to spend with Jesus. And so these rules of life the rule of life, we all have them. It's kind of that story that we've created for ourselves, um, And the rule of life can be working against you and it can also be working for you. A rule of life as a schedule, a set of practices and relational rhythms that create a space for us to be with Jesus, become like him and do as he did as we live in alignment with our most deepest desires. It's a way of intentionally organizing our lives around what matters most, which is God. So that's what a rule of life is. Basically, that schedule, um, practices, relational rhythms. So maybe you're thinking that, you know, these rules will constrain you. But remember, if you're not ruling over your time, you're going to be ruled. You're going to be ruled by your phone, scrolling endless hours. You're going to be ruled by binge watching TV. You're going to be ruled by these toxic people that are surrounding you or that toxic relationship that you're in. So like I said, setting spiritual disciplines, this doesn't mean that you have to jump right into spending two hours with God daily. If you were going to run a marathon and you never ran a marathon before, you're not going to run that full marathon right when you get new tennis shoes, you know, you're not going to do that. What you're going to do is start with, you know, maybe a few minutes of running, then you're going to do a mile, then two miles, and you're going to go up slowly. And so why do we think it's any different with Jesus? What we can do is spend, okay, 10 minutes just in prayer. Okay. Um, you know, in 15 minutes, I'm going to read this passage of the Bible and we're starting off slow and we're building those disciplines. It's not going to be easy at first. You're probably going to want to resist it, but the more that we repeat that, the more that we get into that solitude, that time of prayer every morning, every night, whatever it is for you, the better and more joyful we are in those practices and those disciplines. And so that's what I wanted to leave you with. Just God sees what you're doing. He sees your heart. And in, and so if all you have one day is 10 minutes, you know, maybe you're super busy in school, you're staying up late, um, working on homework. If all you have is a few minutes for one day, that's fine. Jesus is with you wherever you go, but the whole point of spiritual disciplines is that it should be pushing you towards having a closer relationship with him. So if you're busy every single day and, you know, overwhelmed to the point where 
you know, you can't even spend a few minutes with Jesus, it might be time to reevaluate reevaluate your days. Like it says in this book, we shouldn't think about addition, but about subtraction. What do we need to subtract from our lives so that we can live more on purpose, live more fulfilling in Christ. So maybe you need to subtract that time you spend with those certain friends. Maybe you need to subtract that time scrolling on your phone. Think about that. What can you do right now? Just take one little step. And so I hope this really leaves you with encouragement. Um, that's really all I want to do because this book has been really encouraging to me and I definitely would recommend you reading it because I only touched the tip of the iceberg. Um, but regardless, I really hope this could benefit you and you can, you know, start putting spiritual disciplines in place in your life. It's not a works-based thing, but it's showing God that you love him and wanting to have that close relationship with him. And because you want to do that, you want to spend time with him. So with that being said, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And um, if you want to hear more, please follow the podcast, subscribe. But besides that, I thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you truly want to create a life you love, you have to create the foundation on the Lord. Jesus says that a man who builds his house on a firm foundation, he is wise. That firm foundation is Christ. Christ.